Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Blue Jackets fans, happy Saturday. Well, this is Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day, even on a Saturday, because it's a special bonus episode today. I didn't record on Tuesday, so we, uh, we're going to do it today. So uh, a bonus Saturday episode for you all, and thank you for making it your first listen of the weekend. Lockdown Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms. So, like I like I mentioned in yesterday's episode, uh, I sat down earlier this week with Laura Saba of Locked On Canadians, ostensibly to talk about books for the Locked On Canadians Fancy Pants Book Club, but also because we are who we are. We got some Josh Anderson talk in there, we checked in with the Canadians, who we play tomorrow, and uh, just had a, a bit of a catch-up, because it's been a while since we've played the Habs, and uh, I thought we should... Have a have a chat about how they're doing, uh, if only to make the Blue Jackets fans feel better about uh, our own terrible team. So uh, I will just get right into it. We are doing a crossover, or if you will permit me, a Josh over on the podcast with the Ooh. wonderful. <laughs> you can't boo me. We're friends. Uh, with the wonderful, or before he started booing me, the the previously wonderful Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets. Jay, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I know we were laughing about this in the in the DMs last night, but uh, at some point I will do one of these, and Scott will be here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about starting a rumor that we're actually just secretly the same person, um, but with a, a different accent. So okay, but no, so it's, here, it's like always great to, to chat. I need to ask because he's he's big on sweaters, but he's also really big on plaid. Are you also big on plaid? I am. I, I right, love plaid. Might, I love sweaters. Uh, I love uh, dogs. The dog. So there you go. And so today, what we want to do is we want to preview the game that's happening in a few days time it's on sunday night uh we want to talk about how the blue jack blue jackets have been doing thus far in the season we're going to try and avoid as much as possible to to talk about the canadians because that's not anything to be joyful about uh we're going to talk a little bit about how much we love josh anderson and then the lockdown canadians fancy pants book club is back and i'm so excited to first ask jay about the hockey books that he's into. And also we're both going to discuss a book that I recently read that I promised that I was going to review on this podcast after I was done. And that's all coming up. But first, here's a question for you, Jay. What is it Go. like to have a somewhat competent team? Uh, when I have one, I will let you know. Um, <laughs> no, the- uh, It's the all in the perspective, have... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I was going to say, are... the, 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 the Blue Jackets are not more basic. competent than they were last season, which is which is not saying much. Um, they're kind of on a bit of a cold streak at the minute. They've won like three games total in all of January, uh, but they had a pretty hot start. And yeah, like, and I know this is a real kind of sore point for, for both you and Scott at the minute, but like the Blue Jackets are not always playing good hockey, but they are playing fun hockey. 
a lot of the time. And I can kind of excuse a loss if the game is fun. I hear you. Okay, so here's my question, because this is something that we've talked about as a fan base as well. The process sometimes doesn't look pretty. And sometimes it doesn't result in a win. But when you're watching the team play and they at least they don't look lost the entire time. I feel like it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's really interesting because the, you can see like the bones of what the team is going to be when they're done growing into themselves. Like this is a super young team. I didn't look up how many players uh, uh, were on this, the roster the last time that the, these two teams faced each other, but I would guess not a lot. Um, obviously, you know, you have Big Josh Anderson, now, uh, who we will talk about at length, I'm sure. Uh, David Savard, you guys have. Uh, we lost our captain, Nick Foligno. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois went to Winnipeg. Uh, Seth Jones uh, went to Chicago. Cam Atkinson went to Philadelphia. You know, we've lost a lot of the core or what people would consider to be the core. And for the most part, we've gotten younger, less experienced. Uh, you know, we have the youngest player in the in the NHL, Cole Sillinger is uh, isn't even nineteen until like May. He's a child. He's a baby, and you know you you can see what this team is going to look like in a couple of seasons when the the young players are done developing. You know the the defense core. I think I think Vlaslav Gavrikov is our oldest defenseman, and he's like twenty seven. So it's. Just a, a really, a really young team that is still growing into itself, which kind of seems frustrating at times. They make a lot of mistakes. They love to do uh, ice crime, as I as I call it. <laughs> uh, they love to do stick based crime. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's a team that's still figuring itself out. It's kind of like watching a puppy uh, grow into its feet, which sounds fun and hopeful. And as we've talked about, and you're very familiar with. That's not a thing that happens here in Montreal, but I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on the negatives. I do want to talk a little bit about specifically. All right. If I were to ask you what the post Tortorella era has been like, what's, what's that? What, what's your, your, your feel of that? Oh man. It's, it's tough because I, for all his faults and John Tortorella has many, uh, he did something incredible. In, with this team in Columbus, uh, he made them into winners, you know, or winners for Columbus. You know, we won our first playoff series uh, under Tortorella. He put some respect on this team's name around the league. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with all of his methods or all of his coaching strategies, but he he made the team into more than the sum of their parts. Last season was kind of a nightmare. And, you know, there have been a lot of very talented pieces that I think struggled under Tortorella because they didn't mesh with his style and he was unwilling to change for the sake of uh, young talent, uh, which kind of, to me, is is a uh, a bit of a red flag, especially if the team is as young as, as Columbus is. You can see a lot of his coaching style in Brad Larson, but without any of the any of the negatives. Uh, so I, I've been super happy with Brad Larson so far. I think he's, again... First time coach, mistakes are made. Uh, he's still clearly working out his style. You can see where he's, you know, bits and pieces he's taken from Tortorella, but you can also see like, and this is the biggest thing to me, is the players don't look afraid to make mistakes anymore, um, which I think was a big issue that they had 
with Tortorella, especially last season, uh, a lot of the areas, like the power play was terrible last season. Uh, it's not great this season, but for, for different reasons. Um, and you can kind of see the players, like I said, they aren't afraid to make mistakes. I feel like with, with Tortorella, there was kind of this, this paralysis that would kick in. Of They were so afraid to make a mistake because they'd get benched for it, that they wouldn't do anything. And that usually, you know, you know, you've been watching this, this sport for a long time. If you're timid in this game, then it's going to come back and bite you. Uh, and, and they've been a lot, they've been a much less timid team because I think they're, they're not scared to make mistakes under Larson because he's not going to bench them for turning the puck over. On this podcast, we've talked about a lot on, on, on the Lockdown Canadians podcast is that you have to let your young players grow and they're not going to grow if you don't allow them to make mistakes. And, and a lot of times, aggressive forecheck and creative play is the key to winning and getting better. And that doesn't happen when you're afraid to make mistakes. And that's definitely something that is a hallmark of Tortorella teams, right? You can say it's quote unquote defensive, or you can say it's like, it's safe play. It's not fun. And so before we move on to talking about the Canadians real quick, I just wanted to ask you if, if there was one bright spot to this entire season or one thing that gives you hope for the future, what would you say it is? Uh, I think it has kind of been our young players. Um, I think, you know, Cole Zillinger is, is like I say, he's, he's 18 years old uh, and he's spent a lot of time this season on the top line, uh, you know, playing between Patrick Laine and Jake Voracek, who has been such a, such a big part of this team, Jake Voracek. Uh, he, I can't say enough good things about, uh, about Voracek this season, but you look at his play and, you know, you can see where he's going to be in a couple of seasons. Uh, you look at Igor Chidakov, who is uh, not having as good of a rookie season as uh, as Cylinder, but is still, you know, playing in this league, uh, you know, a year after everyone was like, wow, why would Columbus draft him? Uh, that's such a reach. And he has kind of, you know, he's come over. I think he's done a really good job. Uh, you look at Alexander Texier, who's second or third on the team in goals, and he's only 22. Uh, Ada Boquist is 21 years old. Jake Bean is 23 years old. You know, it's it's such a, a young team, and I think that's that's the bright spot, is this team is just going to get better. And, you know, we've got guys in waiting in the wings. Uh, you know, Kent Johnson, who last I checked was was first or second on the on the University of Michigan team in points. Uh He's on his way to Beijing right now uh, with, with Team Canada. Uh, we've got Kirill Marchenko, who's one of the, the more highly touted Russian prospects, uh, who's also on the, the Olympic squad for Team Russia. You know, we've got a lot of promising young pieces. And I think that's, that's what makes this season better is, is you know, okay, we, we probably aren't making the playoffs, this season but you can kind of look at look at the future and think yeah it's it's pretty bright we've got two first round picks in the upcoming draft uh we've got ours and we've got chicago so uh you know that that's another good thing uh if chicago can pick third overall that would be ideal because it's one and two protected in the draft lottery um the canadians and the the coyotes are working on that (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of it it's it's been it's been fun to, to watch the team and think about what they're going to look like next season or the season after. 
it's the future's the future's looking pretty bright in in Columbus. It's pretty stocked, I think. Um, and so what we're going to do now is we're going to turn our attention to the Canadians. We're going to gloss over them really quick, right, Jay? You're not going to torture me by asking me how to uh, a lot of questions about this season. <laughs> no, right? I, won't, I won't be too mean. Uh, it's just going to be, I'm just going to make you talk about Josh Anderson for eight minutes. That's all this is. I will be so happy to do that. And that's coming up in just one moment. First, I want to tell you about Bet Online because they've got you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as. Football season continues their march to the playoffs. The NHL season continues their march to the playoffs. But online remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On or one word to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Once again, that is promo code locked on or one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at betonline.ag. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to your respective first listens of the day. <laughs> we better be your first and second listens. And, uh, and today... Locked on Canadians and a locked on Blue Jackets are teaming up to do a, I'm going to say it, I don't care, Josh over. We're talking about, we're kind of trying to preview a game that's happening like four or five days from now. Uh, but we wanted to get to know each other's teams. Obviously in Columbus, things are headed in the right direction. And now it is Jay's turn to grill me about the Habs. Yeah, I guess let's let's just rip the, rip the Band-Aid off. What is up with the Habs this season? How do you go from the the unbelievable Cinderella Stanley Cup final Western champion run last season to what nine wins this season? Eight wins mm-hmm. this season? Eight wins. How in how- uh, 42, 41 or 42 games? Um well. I think it's obvious that the Canadians did outperform their talent in the Stanley Cup run, which is not to delegitimize or invalidate their play. They really did everything that they needed to do in order to get that far. They capitalized on every single opportunity. Everybody knew their role. Everybody did what they needed to do. And that's the only way really you can overcome a deficiency in talent or a deficit in talent compared to the other team, right? You're talking about Toronto, you're talking about uh, even Vegas. And it's not that the Canadians last year were untalented. It's just that they were the lesser talented of the two groups. And at the same time, they played well enough to beat teams that were better than them. So you really have to give credit to that team. It's I, I never would want to discount that 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 playoff run and the work that they did to get there the system worked at that time but I think something that happens when you have a system that's not very structured and it's dependent entirely on each player performing a certain way I think that is something where if you remove any of the elements such as the players like Philippe Dano, uh, Corey Perry, Shea Weber, Carey Price if you it like remove key pieces, like major, major pieces. Paul Byron still hasn't come back. If you remove that, then when the system's not strong and structured, it's going to fail because it's tailored specifically to the team. And one of our listeners, Ben Kerr, pointed this out on Twitter to me the other day 
is that even if you have a team that lacks talent, if you have a strong system, they'll be able to get some good play out of it, right? They might not be able to be world beaters, but they will be able to play well. Like even untalented teams or lesser talented teams will be able to play to their strength in a strong system. So the lack of good players and the lack of a system to speak of ended up really, really hurting them. Obviously, there was a lot of bad luck with injuries uh, at the beginning of the season, even before the season started, and they were just never able to get it together. So I think that the, the thing that just happened this season is that every possible thing that could go wrong went wrong, right? The system wasn't there, and we've talked at length about, about Dominique Ducharme, so I don't want to gratuitously uh, criticize him here. You know, it, it's just that the system just doesn't exist. Right. And then everybody got either injured or was put on COVID protocol. They called up enough players that at some point there was literally nobody left in Laval that the Canadians were going to be able to call up. Uh, and and so like that's that's basically the the the, the reason in a nutshell is literally everything went wrong. And so the flip side of that is now the Canadians have an opportunity that is basically falling into their lap to draft a really high draft pick and perhaps even the number one pick overall. And because of the on ice results and because of the doom and gloom surrounding this team, and because it was starting to affect their bottom line, the ownership decided that a management change was necessary. So that happened and we're hopeful that the there's going to be a turnaround while taking advantage of these results to try and get as high of a draft pick as possible, knowing that Arizona's nipping at their heels, you know, Ottawa's not as, 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 as far behind as you would like them to be. Chicago's hanging around there. So there's definitely, it, there's, there's a lot of competition for that first overall pick, but at the same time, it hasn't been too fun to watch. So you mentioned that even though they aren't necessarily winning games and they're making a lot of mistakes sometimes and they're doing ice crime, at least Columbus is fun to watch. The Habs have been fun to watch in a total, even in losses or wins, a total of maybe five games this season. And a lot of those were losses too. And even in those cases, they weren't necessarily playing well. It's just that you saw the players having fun on the ice. And that kind of demonstrated to you that there was some excitement. But other than that, honestly, it has not been a fun season in Montreal. Yeah, I, I remember those kind of seasons well with, uh, with Columbus. They suck. Um, <laughs> but is there, like, what, what would you say the bright point of the, the season has been? Is there a player that you've really loved watching this season? Um, you know, yeah. there, there has to be something, something good to, yeah. to come of sitting down to watch a Canadians game at the end of the day. <laughs> A lot of nights, no, but so there's a couple of things. Uh, a, a lot of the, the players that were called up from Laval have been playing well despite the rest of the team or the system. An example I'll give you is Michael Pizzetta, who is a who he was a fourth liner in the AHL, and he would have been a long shot to be long shot to be a call-up, but they were trying to inject some energy and he's really made the most of his opportunity. Uh Laurent uh, Laurent Dauphin <laughs> uh, has has really done a good job. Nick Suzuki, every night, he hasn't been his usual self where you're watching him and you're terrified of him on the ice, but he has, in most games, done something that's demonstrated just how good he is, how much skill he has. Obviously, a lot of our favorite players, our fan favorites, have been injured, 
And one such player, unfortunately, we're not seeing enough of is somebody who is close to both of our hearts. Uh, and that is Josh Anderson. We do love Josh Anderson on this podcast. Yes, this is this is a Josh Anderson fan zone. Uh, I miss him. <laughs> I am glad he is succeeding in uh, in Montreal. Still somehow leading the team in goals, despite missing despite a bunch missing. of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And and the the thing with Josh Anderson, I th- I find is that he's just the type of player that makes me happy about life. Like the exuberance with which he launches himself at the goal every night <laughs> is just, it's infectious. And he just, he seems like an all around nice guy. You know, he really stands up for Jonathan Drouin, who gets a lot of undue criticism. Uh, he seems like, you know, the, the players call him a, a good friend. They seem to have a really good opinion of him. He seems to be kind of unassuming. He's definitely a himbo. Uh, he, he's definitely occasionally, I look at him and be like, there's, there are no thoughts in that head. But now, Henderson um, has never had a thought in his life. Like, I love him, but he's never had a thought in his life. <laughs> and, but I, I do like him as he just, just his persona. And, and he seems, he just seems like a, a good enough, a good guy to have around, you know, if that makes sense. And that, and that to me, I think in a season where things are hard and things keep going wrong, I think it's important for the team. Yeah, definitely. And I will say that, you know, we, we last time, I think we talked about this in the off season, you know, the, the Domi-Anderson trade and how kind of lopsided it seemed. I will say that Max Domi has had a much better season going like this so far this season um, in that he's taken way less stupid penalties and also scored more goals. Um, so so that's good. Uh, but I still miss miss Big Josh and his big heart and his big celly. <laughs> yes, the celly as well. He's just, he's just, he's just a, he's just a big... I don't know. He's like a big hub is, is what I'm going to call it. And um, on that note, we're going to, we're going to turn ourselves a little, our, our attention to, I guess this is one of my favorite segments on the podcast, but the subject matter might be a little bit heavy. So just be warned before we get into our final segment, which is coming up in just one moment. So on this special crossover episode, we are bringing back uh, a, a, a segment that has been a little bit on hiatus as I was on holidays and we were trying to get back in the swing of things. It was definitely a holiday themed segment, I think, but because people have liked it, we're going to try and do as many of these segments as possible. We're going to try to get some authors. We're going to get, you know, when we have a crossover, we're going to ask people about their thoughts. And that is the Locked On Canadians and now Locked On Blue Jackets Fancy Pants Book Club because I have on the show today... Jay Foster, who is a huge book nerd like I am. Yes, books are, at this point, probably 40% of my personality and also (laughs) 75% of of my possessions. So (laughs) I I am always happy to talk books. I'm always happy to talk hockey. And I like it when when those things coincide. They overlap. And so this is interesting because one of our, like our listeners, a hockey fan, a new hockey fan from the UK was actually the first person who suggested this by saying, do you have any hockey book recommendations? And then it became a thing because they enjoyed it. And then other people were like, hey, I want to throw in my opinions too. So I just started having, you know, a little bit of a discussion, a segment once a week saying leading up to the holidays, you know, maybe this will give you some some gift ideas, but people liked it enough that we're going to try. It might not be every week. We're going to try and do it, you know, many, many times, but I just, I think it's, it's really awesome that people can bond over this a little bit. 
And I'm going to ask you, first of all, before we get into our most recent or my most recent read and your most recent reread, can you recommend a few sets of hockey books, even if you've heard them before on this podcast that we've recommended them? What are your recommended hockey related books, whether it's novels, whether it's nonfiction, whether it's instructional, because I knew you actually play hockey. Yeah, so uh, the first ones, the first ones I want to recommend are uh, is actually a, it's a, a series of two books now, and I suspect there's going to be more. Uh, it is the Hockey Heroes books by uh, Bob McKenzie, and he basically uh, has talked to a bunch of different players from all different walks of life. Uh, you know, retired players, officials, coaches, uh, all kinds of people. He did a uh, one chapter was Jessica Platt, who was the first openly transgender player in the CWHL back when the CWHL existed. Uh, and it's just like a, it's just a really good collection of stories about or stories of people who love the sport and what they love about the sport and, you know, how, how they have been spending their life loving this sport and I think it's it's you know there's a for me anyway there's been a real it's been a real struggle to love this sport over the past kind of year or so and so that was just a really nice reminder that there are things that there, there are things that that people love about this sport and so that was that was really that was really nice to read uh it, it's actually it's everyday hockey heroes inspiring stories on and off the ice by uh, Bob McKenzie so there's there's two volumes of that so far, and they're both both really good. And then I don't want I'm not going to recommend the novel because we are going to talk about it in a minute. Uh, but I am going to have to Google the the other name of the book I want to recommend because I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It is called The Power Within by Justin Goldman and Mike Valley, and it's about goaltending and how to really kind of find your inner goaltender I guess and uh there's there's again it's a series Dallas Stars goaltending coach Mike Valley USA Hockey goaltending scout Justin Goldman have uh done I think three of them now uh two or three books uh, I've I've only read the first one I'm really excited to get to the the next one and yeah it's just it's all about how to really embrace goaltending and be the best goalie you can be uh, so if like me, you are you are a player and you want to really kind of reach that next level and you're not sure how beyond, you know, on the ice stuff, uh, then that's a really good, a really good recommendation. And now it's time to finally talk about a book that I had previously, I had one, one book club segment that I did was I've ordered these few books and I'm going to talk about them when I read them. And one of the books on the list was Beartown by Frederick Backman. Uh, he's a Swedish author. And uh, I read the book. It, a lot of people recommended it to me a long time ago, just as a read, not even as a hockey related book. And it seems to be very timely. I think it was published maybe four or five, possibly. Yeah, I think it was about five years ago. So when it first came out, it was, it was highly recommended. But in recent times, as, as J.U. pointed out, it's been really hard to follow hockey because there are a lot of issues about sexism, about racism even, which in this book, there's a trigger warning. It does deal with sexual assault, but there are also notes of racism as well in there and, and the experience of, of hockey players, but also when, which is common to us in Canada, might not be to, to a lot of our listeners who are listening from outside of Canada, but small towns that are based around hockey. 
uh, and uh, sort of the hockey culture and sometimes the risks or very often the risks that are involved with being involved in hockey, whether uh, it, it, whether you become a victim of circumstances, not circumstances, a victim of people, uh, or it sort of, it shapes you in the wrong direction, if that makes sense. Uh, and I, I found that the book treated it very, very sensitively. It was a good read. Like it was just a good piece of literature. It was a tough read, but I thought that the way that the subject matter was handled was really good. And I recommend it to people, but I will say that it was a little bit of a heavy read. I read it in quarantine when I was already sort of starting to spiral. And I was like, all right, that, that subject matter, it's tough. But I just, I, I thought it was just so well done. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite books of, of all time. Uh, I, I really love it, which seems, it seems weird to say, oh, I really love this book that is about, you know, the, the book is, is about kind of hockey, but it's also about hockey culture. It's about vague spoiler warning and also content warning for, for sexual assault. It's about a 15 year old girl who gets raped by the star of the junior hockey team in this tiny little hockey town in northern Sweden called uh, Bear Town. And it's it's all about kind of the the ripples that that, that creates throughout the community. Uh, it deals with uh, being a survivor of sexual assault. It deals with being uh, someone who lives in this town that does not live and breathe hockey uh, it talks about being an immigrant and loving hockey, even when hockey doesn't love you back. There's, uh, there's um, through lines of uh, homophobia. One of the one of the main characters turns out to be to be queer, and kind of the the way he deals with that, and also loving hockey, and it's it's just it's it's a phenomenal story. The prose is beautiful and also just brutal at times uh it's it's just a really phenomenal book that doesn't flinch at the subject matter uh it came out in 2016 and i think i've reread it every year since i since i first read it it's it's one of those books that i can go back to time and time and time again and i just i can't i can't say enough good things about how unflinchingly it looks at hockey culture with you know capital h capital c um and yeah especially within a small town of like what do you do when the sport betrays you you know you you've loved this sport your entire life and then it turns around and, and betrays you like this what like how do you get over that? How do you reconcile, you know, and it, it, it has a, a bunch of different point, points of view as well. So, you know, you get the point of view of the, the girl who was, who was assaulted. You get the point of view of her mother, her father, uh, the boy that assaulted her, his best friend, uh, the boy that, that witnessed it. Um, you know, you get the point of view of the father of the of the boy who did it and it just it, it talks about it's it's such a it's almost detached but in a way that doesn't make it feel detached so like you get to see the the thought process of well why would you announce this now like sh clearly she's lying because she wants to get back at the team or her father's letting her do this because he wants to get back at the team or you know even if he did do it then 
surely, you know, you shouldn't punish the entire team by not letting him play. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's very, in a, in a year when we have seen Kyle Beach's story come out, this book hits a little bit differently after that. And it is just a, a testament to the old boys club that, that hockey is trying so hard to cling to. And I think there's a couple of things that I want to point out real quick. There's an extremely powerful, pivotal moment that it's sort of kind of like the climax of the novel, but it really highlights just the toll, like the pain, the aftermath. It just like the the toll it takes on you psychologically uh, that I thought was really, really interesting and well done. And another thing, obviously we talked about how hard it is, but this is also apparently, I know there's a second book and Jay, you told me that a third book was also coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's gonna it's gonna be a trilogy. Uh, and then I'm very excited for the third one, but it's, I'm also extremely worried about it because <laughs> I've how read much the, rougher I've read can it get? <laughs> um, it hasn't been translated into English yet, but I read the first page in Swedish and translated it myself very slowly, and I'm very worried about the the, the way this trilogy is going to finish. Let's put it that way. And I I too like it is it's definitely. It's, it's strong material. And another thing that I wanted to note is also, also you may have heard that it is a miniseries on HBO, uh, which I haven't checked out yet, but I'm excited to once I've sort of, you know, come down from, from, the, from the feelings in the book a little bit or the feelings resulting from reading the book. But also this book was banned by a high school in North Carolina because parents complained. So if you're the type of person that hears that kind of thing and goes, I definitely need to read that book. I definitely think that that's a little bit of an incentive, but definitely, as Jay said, it's a, there's a content warning. Be really, really careful before you get into it. Uh, be ready because there's a lot, like you said, there's, there's also issues of like, it strongly, strongly surrounds the sexual assault, but there's so many social issues that are dealt with in that book. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Just be in the right kind of headspace and make sure that you're ready to read it because it, it was so good. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is a perfect microcosm of both the best and the worst things about hockey. I think the the the, the hockey itself in the book, like when when the games are happening, the players are on the ice. Like that's something that again I feel so intensely about. And so yeah, I think that that's the that's the thing for me is you look at it and you're like, well, this is but the best and the worst things about hockey, and you can't separate those two things i could talk about this book for hours i'm not going to because obviously we have a a a hard out that we've already gone a little bit past but yeah it's it really is just such a phenomenal book and like know your own limits uh you know if you know that there's something that's going to upset you then i wouldn't recommend it but if you think that it's a book that you can handle then i absolutely wholeheartedly recommend it because it is phenomenal And there you have it. This has been a crossover between Locked On Canadians and Locked On Blue Jackets. And the Fancy Pants Book Club is now permeating uh, across the (laughs) Locked On. And I think we're going to start something, J.U. and I. We're going to make sure that everybody has a book club segment. Thank you so much for suggesting and also for for accompanying and indulging, Jay. And so I guess uh, let's let's start with, with Locked On Blue Jackets. Where can people find you? and your work, and the podcast. Uh, so you can find Locked On Blue Jackets wherever you get Locked On Canadians. Uh, we are on Twitter over at LO underscore Blue Jackets. Uh, I don't know why I say we, it's just me. Uh, Monday to Friday, every every week. Uh, if you would like some Star Wars opinions, 
some dog pictures, uh, some more book recommendations mixed in, uh, then you can follow me over at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. And if you'd like to follow Locked On Canadians, we are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. This is a good week to get a mailback question in because starting tomorrow, we're going to be on YouTube unless something goes wrong again. Uh, and... <laughs> And you can find uh, you can find my co-host Scott at Scott Matla or at underscore J A K O B R S T E R because apparently they are the same person. We're the same person. I'm going to start pushing this. Scott doesn't <laughs> yeah. know this yet, but I've never been on a podcast with both of you at the same time, so I can exactly makes that. you think. Thank you so much for listening and make sure that if you liked either of our podcasts, please check out Locked On Bets, where they have been absolutely killing it lately. Thank you so much. And that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, Monday, we will break down the game against Montreal. Uh, hopefully, it is a little bit better than the uh, previous few games. And uh, we'll also look ahead to the matchup against Florida on Tuesday. So that's what's coming up early next week on Locked On Blue Jackets. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure you go and make Locked On Bet your second listen of the day. Uh, Lee Sterling and your boy Q do a brilliant job over there. They have been killing it with the betting predictions. So make sure you go and give them a listen. You can find them wherever you find Locked On Blue Jackets. So uh, go check go check them out and uh, enjoy the weekend. And until tomorrow, make sure you stay Locked On.